If we could, let's pray, and then we'll dig into that a little bit. Father, I ask this morning that the reflections of my heart and the words of my mouth would not be mine, but would be yours. That as I speak, it would be through your voice that we hear. Thank you for the opportunity that we get to gather and that we get to, to, to open your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So in first century Israel, the time of Jesus, there were somewhere around 50 men who claimed to be Messiah. 50 men who rose up from the Jewish nation and claimed to be the chosen one, which is what Messiah means, the chosen one of God. So the fact that Jesus stands up and claims to be the Messiah was not an odd fact. See, at this time, the Roman Empire, who ruled the world from Britain to India and everything in between, one of the most powerful empires in the history of the world, ruled Israel at this time. And... um, Historians and archaeologists tell us from their findings that the people were taxed somewhere between 50 to 90% of what they made every year. And so there were people in Israel who remembered that they were the chosen people of God and that God had freed them from captivity, had freed them from the cruel oppression of the Egyptian empire. And so in the first century, there were 50 men who stood up and claimed to be the chosen one of God, who would free his people again, just like he had in Egypt. So when Jesus stands up and proclaims that he is bringing upon the kingdom of God, the people listen. Because this is what was going on around them all the time. It's just Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom was just a little bit different than the proclamation of the other 50 would-be messiahs. And he comes to this parable. And in the series of parables we read this morning, we see that Jesus is telling story after story, image after image, of just what the kingdom he was bringing would look like. So this morning I'd like to take just a few moments and reflect on the first image, the image of a mustard seed. Perhaps it's a familiar passage for us, um, yet I think maybe there, it, it goes a little bit deeper than maybe we've reflected on before. Mustard was an illegal seed in Israel. At this time, mustard, which was an invasive plant, if you planted it in your garden, quite soon you'd realize that all of the stuff that you wanted to grow in your garden was overtaken by the mustard seed and the Jews at this time who kept a nice clean garden, who kept a nice orderly tidy garden, made it illegal for the people to plant this crazy out of control seed. So Jesus begins, it's it's a little weird, right? Like this, this seed that's kind of like, look down upon. Like, you know, we don't, you don't have that seed there. Jesus says, my kingdom is like this. You see, it starts as the tiny little seed, which I showed the children a little bit earlier. 
starts as this tiny, almost hard to find seed, and yet it grows and multiplies into something massive, something which will overtake an entire garden. One commentator which I read about described it as kutsu, this invasive seed which has the power even to break apart cement. Like, could you imagine, right? Like, like this, is, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Just the shock and the horror that these people would have had to hear that the kingdom is this frowned upon invasive plant. But when you think about it, isn't that the way that the kingdom of God works like? It starts with small acts of love. It starts with small acts of following the example of Jesus. And quite quickly, it explodes. Whole communities change. This is the way that the early church worked, right? We read in the story of Acts that they lived together in, in, in community. That they sold the extra that they didn't need. And they shared it with the poor. Some of the first, some of the first secular writings we have about the church are Roman governors writing letters back and forth to each other, complaining about the fact that the Christians are among them because they were so different and foreign and they, they didn't do things like everybody else did. But they couldn't touch these Christians because they fed not only the Christian poor, but they fed the poor of those who weren't Christians. And the church grew. And within two to three centuries, what started off as a, a couple dozen renegade Jewish people in the corner of the empire turned into an entire empire of Christians. The kingdom started. Jesus, when he died and went to heaven, left with what most would say at the most would be 130 followers. When he died and left, there was 130 followers of Jesus. That was the end of his ministry. He stopped at 130. And within generations, the whole empire was infected with Christianity. Within, within a couple of generations, the mustard seed that Jesus had planted had spread throughout the whole known world. It's kind of like the Acts. I have a friend, and her mustard seed is she works with um, students who speak English as a second language in the, the public school that she goes to. And I was reading about, or that she works at, she's the ESL coordinator. And I was reading uh, this last couple weeks that she's trying to help uh, a little Hispanic girl who graduated from high school whose family is so poor they can't afford the extras to get to college. She's got scholarships to pay for her school, but stuff like Kleenex or bed sheets or book money, she couldn't afford that. And so my friend on Facebook, just through some Facebook posts, was looking to get her resources and stuff so she could go to school. That's a mustard seed. I have another friend who a few years ago decided that there are people that have 
extra furniture, right? They would get a new couch. They'd get a new fridge. And so now he started a, a nonprofit. He started a ministry where he, where he and a group of his friends collect all the extra furniture and give it to people who need. People whose houses have burned down and they've lost everything. Or people who are running away from domestic abuse or refugees to our country. And so my friend collects furniture to give to those who are in need. It's a mustard seed. This last week, we were in, a couple weeks ago, we were in Philadelphia, and we were working at the house of this 95-year-old lady who'd been living in her house since the 40s. And the thing about 95-year-old ladies is they're not really good at, like, like home repair or, um, like, re-roofing their house. It's just something that she was not good at. And this lady, while we were working on her house, there was a bench that was bent. And it looked really dangerous, but yet she sat on it every day. And so one of my friends rebuilt that bench for that lady. It's a mustard seed. I know of a church, a friend of mine's a pastor of a church, who out of their operating budget for their church run a food pantry and feed thousands of people every month out of their church. It's a mustard seed. These mustard seed acts start small and yet they change the communities they're in. One of my favorite quotes is the quote that never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Because, in fact, it's the only thing that ever has. It's a small group of people committed to small acts of love that comprise the church. Every day we live lives of just small acts of love and compassion. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's us planting mustard seeds and watching them grow. I love that. That's, that is our call as a church. This is what we're called to do. Yet I think that this parable goes a little bit deeper. That the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus, Jesus I think is talking about the fact that his kingdom will be a group of people that do small little acts. And it's the small act of love to our neighbor and then it grows. That's the kingdom. But I think he's also speaking of something deeper. Because he says that the mustard seed grows into a giant tree. It grows into the greatest of the trees. Or it grows into a, a tree, the largest of the garden plants. And I think he's being quite generous when he's calling it a tree. I googled, what does a mustard tree look like? And all the Google images, I think bush would be much more accurate of a description of what mustard grows into. A large, leafy, not really pretty to look at bush. So Jesus says that the mustard seed grows into a bush and the birds of the air come and nest in it. And I think he's making a reference to the prophets. And if you would... Um, if you have your Bibles out, turn to Ezekiel 17. Ezekiel chapter 17. I will read it. 
And the people of Israel believed that they were God's special people. That they were the ones that, that God would call, that God had called to bring redemption to the world. And that the world would be saved through them. And Ezekiel 17 has an image of this. Ezekiel 17, verse 22 and 23. Ezekiel says this, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. And on the mountain heights of Israel I will plant it, and it will produce branches and bear fruit. It will become a splendid cedar. And birds of every kind will nest in it, and they will find shelter in the shade of its branches. And all the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I, try, I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. So part Part of Israel's identity is that one day they would be the beautiful, glorious cedar on top of the mountain and the whole world would come to them to find salvation. And the birds of the air would fly up onto this mountain and would find rest in its branches. So their identity was, we are the tree that the whole world will come to and find salvation. We are the beautiful, glorious Cedar, or we will be. And Jesus says, no, you're the mustard bush. The kingdom of heaven is not the glorious cedar tree. It's like the mustard bush. And the word that he uses for birds, as you look it up in the Greek, many of its uses and its range of meaning involve chickens. Now I know Jessica is not here and her love for chickens, so that would make her excited. But Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard tree, mustard bush, and the chickens of the air will come roost in it. It's not the glorious cedar. It's a place for the chickens. And I think it's quite easy for us to come and say, we want to be a part of something that's glorious like the cedar. And that I need to have my life all figured out before I come to God. Right? And we talked about this a few weeks ago. We like to front. We like to, we like to put out a, an image that we have it all together. And yet Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is a place for everybody, even the chickens, even the turkeys. It's a place for all of us. St. Mark's Lutheran Church isn't a place where everyone needs to have their lives all put together. But we're a, a place for people to have a little bit of weedy gardens. Where the, where the mustard seed's taken over a little bit. <clears throat> Talked last week about weeds in our lives. About how sometimes 
It's better to focus on the fact that we have the good seed and not the weeds. It's better to, to focus on the fact that God is working and doing good things in our lives. But that also means that we have weeds. It means there's places in our lives where we still need work. We still need the gardener to come with his hoe. We still need someone to come with a bag to collect and to clean us up a little bit. Jesus seems to say that a church is a place not for those that have it all together under the glorious cedars, but the church is a place where we all come to find the love of God. Those who have it all put together and the rest of us who don't. So this morning, as we reflect a little bit on the mustard seed, I ask that you would be the sower of mustard seeds in your life. That we would be a people who allow everybody to come roost in our branches, even the chickens. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for this parable. Thank you for the call that you've placed in our lives to be people that are constantly spreading your love in little ways. And God, as we love our neighbor and as we love you, and as we do this in our everyday lives, Father, we don't have anything to do with the seed's growth. So we're just going to continue to love those around us. We continually be the people who are continually looking to spread mustard seeds wherever we go. And on the other hand, Father, I ask that you continue to allow us to learn how you're looking to work in our lives. Father, I ask that you continue to let this place be a place for people who have some weeds in their gardens. Father, let this church be a place where everyone feels welcome, even the chickens and the turkeys. Thank you for your love for us and for your son and for his kingdom. And may it come here. In Jesus' name, amen.